Today on Hey Sis, Eat This, Whitney and I are in full holiday party mode. From gingerbread making classes, favorite things parties, and Hanukkah celebrations, we're getting jolly wherever we go. Whitney's now moved on from horseback riding to bull riding on a recent trip to an iconic Texas honky-tonk. Then we learn how to be happy cooks with our guest, Chef Shane Fatemian, a celebrated Los Angeles chef who's taking Instagram by storm with his highly artistic and bountiful spreads. If you're in need of a little holiday cheer, then pour an eggnog, kick up your boots and celebrate the season with us. Get into the groove, boy, you've got to prove your love to me, yeah. Grab your fork and grab your knife Morning, afternoon and night Mama's recipe and mine We're about to have a good time Hey sis, eat this Hey sis, eat this Woohoo! Yeah! Hey sis. Hey sis. Well, <laughs> that was funny what just happened. <laughs> yeah, we almost had to... Uh, completely break down the set here because <laughs> I think it was not the set down. I did too. And you got an emergency alert that you have a dentist appointment for one of your girls and you're like, oh shit, I gotta go. You gotta saw go. it on my phone because you were setting up the camera yes. and I didn't even know. And you're like, uh, do you have an orthodontist appointment for Vivi right now? And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And then I almost knocked over the computer, knocked over the iced tea, almost everything. And then I calmly decided that I would call the orthodontist and I rescheduled for Thursday and they were like, it's okay, ma'am. Thank God. But this was like your fifth spill of the day. You couldn't stop spilling oh, yeah. your coffee this morning. You're right. And then we were about to record with some guests and oh, the God. table like collapsed. And the table collapsed. tea everywhere. That's right. <laughs> And we're not through the day yet. We're only halfway through the day. We're cooking tonight. I know. We're just going to do the damn thing. We're going to do it. You know? Oh my God. This is what the season is all about this holiday season. I guess so. It's all about cooking. Spills, and thrills, and chills. That's right. And sweats. Because <laughs> um, I need, I've never needed the sweat vest so bad in my life. Oh, really? um, yeah. If you're a regular listener, you know, Whitney and I suffer from night sweats. So we invent, Whitney invented the sweat vest, which is the, yeah. Hand towel, terry cloth. Yeah, under your yourself. tank top. Yeah. But mine have been coming more frequently and rapidly throughout the day, like from the inside out, from the inside out, like, Oof. you know, like real, you know, because I'm, I'm getting up there to the age, like Perry's giving me a visit, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, oh, and I, my, my poor husband, I get into bed the other night, he's like, are you going to freeze me out? And I was like, I'm sorry. I'll wait till you're asleep before I turn the air conditioner on 68. Ah, uh, well, it's funny. Cause I had the same thing. I had a real bad night sweat a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Lance is like, I'm just so cold. <laughs> and even though I lay out his pajamas, I lay out his blankie. <laughs> I don't do that. I'm I not do that nice. because I just know he's going to freeze. Yeah. And so I said, well, you know what, honey, I think, we should just go get a twin heating blanket that we put underneath your side of the bed. Yeah. And he can smart. just turn on the yep. heater blanket. I did get my husband some, like a full set of pajamas, you know, with pants and long sleeves for yeah. Christmas. Because well, maybe I should get him another set. Yeah. We, we need, they need her a parka. Maybe I should get him one of those like old school, like little sleeping beanies, you know, to keep <laughs> his little ears warm so that when I'm... Maybe he could Sweating. just put on one of the kids' cozies. Yeah, I don't know, something, but it's gotten real bad. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Well, I really got to work on that patent. You really do. So, what you been eating? What have I been eating? Well, mom and I went to a really cool event at the Arboretum, the okay. Dallas Arboretum. Mm -hmm. And it was hosted by world renowned chef Sharon Van Meter, who oh, is. Yeah lives in Dallas. She has a couple of restaurants there and it was a night of her favorite things. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it was like food and wine and there was a couple of things that you could purchase. So this one company I thought was really cool. It is Chef Catherine Clapner and okay. she has Dude Sweet Chocolate. It's in Oak Cliff. It's a shop? It is. It's a shop that they sell chocolate confections, that kind of stuff. I actually have never been to the actual shop, but what she was featuring that night was hot chocolate. Oh, and I it was so good. Mm. Like it was probably the best hot chocolate I've ever had. It was just velvety and creamy. Why? Because it had Kahlua in it or something? It didn't have any alcohol. <laughs> I wish. 
And funny enough, she said that she sometimes likes to put it with mezcal. Ooh, yeah. I thought that could be good, like chocolate tequila. It's an interesting flavor profile. Yeah. And then the other really cool company that was there, and they were serving a pea shoot risotto. So it was not made out of, you know, your typical rice. Oh, Oh, they weren't putting pea because pea shoots are its own no, thing. And I love it was pea, a shoot. pea shoot. It's a fermented pea shoot. Oh. That they had turned into So it's like low a carb? risotto. Yes. Ooh, and it I had no this. dairy. Okay. It was really interesting. So the, the place is called Profound Foods and it started by Jeff and Lee Bednar. Okay. And they have a hydroponic farm in Lucas, Texas. And they serve a lot of chefs by getting their vegetables to these restaurants and chefs. It's really cool. So I was talking to Jeff Mm -hmm. when we were there and I said, we would love to come out and see the farm Mm -hmm. and do a tour. And he said, absolutely. So that's cool. We'll do that when you come back in December. I would love that. Well, speaking of favorite things, I went to like five holiday parties last week, but one of them was a favorite things holiday party. Yeah. And you bring each person, each girl, there's like 30, I don't know, God, there might've been 50 girls there, brings three gifts and you get up and you get a pitch. You, you, you have to pitch your gifts. So you have one minute and you're like, I have this and this is why it's so great and whatever. And then you it's draw, like QVC. yeah. And then you draw the names of three people. So three people get your gifts. So you have to bring three of the exact same kind. And so I was like really stressing out about it. Cause I've been invited many years. I've never been able to go. This was my first year. So I was like, well, I got to do something like cooking related, right? So I went to that Japanese Im- uh, knife import store yes. where Jason's been getting me all those cool knives and I got three beautiful chef knives. Oh, and so, cool. yeah, I they, they were a big ticket. Like people were like fighting over them. So that was really fun. Well, you had asked me if I wanted anything for Christmas. You had a little something and I was talking to Lance. I was like, ooh, I want a chef knife or some kind of other knife mm, okay. because- our knives are just crap hole. I know. I've, I'm not going to tell you what I got you for Christmas, okay. but you know, you do need to get your knives upgraded for sure. You know, we do enough cooking at your house now that it's kind of sad. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I also went to a cooking class, uh, a holiday gingerbread and pecan pie making class through Sweet Ooh. Laurel Bakery. You know, that's yeah. the bakery down the street from me that's grain-free, dairy-free, refined, sugar-free. And they've really blown up. They're now selling their dough in Whole Foods. They're vegan dough. Like um, you can get gingerbread um, for the holidays or chocolate chip cookies. And I met Laurel, the owner and founder who had this um autoimmune disease that she completely reversed by cutting dairy and um, grain and all of that out of her diet. And so she created this bakery and it's really her mission is to just like help people like her who suffer from allergies to be able to eat at a bakery. And um, it was so good. And I'll just mention that her pecan pie, you know, we we talk about mom's Mm -hmm, Texas mm -hmm. pecan pie a lot. And I have to tell you, I mean, this rivals it and and it, because she, instead of the caro syrup, which is really not that great for you. She, she substitutes it with a hundred percent maple syrup and dates. Like she puts dates through a Vitamix. So it's like very fine. And the combination of the dates and the, and the um, maple syrup make that consistency and flavor. And that's the pecan pie filling with the pecans. She puts it in one of her, um, you know, grain free crusts, which is just basically coconut oil and, um, Almond flour. So I'm, I've, I'm a skeptic. I know you're a skeptic about most things that are healthy, but I'm telling you, it's really good. And I want to make it for you. It sounds really good. And actually. I talked to Laurel. I, I want her to come on the podcast. And I think she has a lot of, of like a really beautiful story to share about her journey through her illness and, and, and using food as a remedy to heal herself. Yeah. It sounds like she could teach us a lot. I think so. So what else? Well, not food related, but doesn't all have to be food related all the time. I know. It's kind of a callback. But our good friend, Ty Taylor, yes. who is the lead singer of Vintage Trouble, oh, yes. played at Billy Bob's in Fort Worth over the so weekend. So cool. And I had sent an email to Lance, like forwarding on something that they were coming. He's like, I already booked a hotel room. So he knew and we did a little staycation and it was so much fun. They're so great. And Ty is the best performer of anyone I've ever seen in my oh, life. I yeah. mean, he, if anybody recalls the show Rockstar in Excess, he was like in the top four for the new singer of that. Oh yeah. I mean, and, he's been on Broadway. Oh, he yeah. has starred in many Broadway shows. He's been in several bands. He's like 
I mean, he's a Renaissance man and he's so incredibly talented. Yeah. So it was awesome. We got to hang out with him in the band. Yeah. But they also took us backstage. So Fun. we got to see like where all of these greats. Oh, Willie Nelson, Miranda, Miranda Lambert just had her 40th birthday at Billy Bob's. Did you yes. see that? Yeah. Yes. Before we went to into the show at Billy Bob's, you can go and get your photo taken on a stuffed bowl. Oh, my gosh. And so, of course. Yeah. We did a photo shoot. Yeah. So I just wanted to to show you some of those. So you and Ty did a photo shoot. Oh, my God. He's, <laughs> he's practically naked. I love it. Oh, that is so cute. That's a stuffed bowl? Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. Okay, you have to post that on social. Towards the end of the night when they had like their last song, Lance is like, I got to pee. And I'm like, all right, go. And so I went up to kind of the front of the stage because some people started like gathering around. I mean, that, that band makes oh, you want to yeah. dance. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Ty leans down and pulls me up on stage. What? Yes. Tell me this. You were saving it for I the was podcast. Okay. So he pulls me up on stage and Lance comes back to the bathroom. From You're the bathroom. on stage. <laughs> and he's like, that's my wife. <laughs> it's not the first time you've jumped well, up on a stage. So I think what is interesting is if anybody recalls the episode where I recapped. Yeah, we well, almost got arrested for jumping up on the stage. The Beastie Boys cover, cover band. band. Uh-huh. And I totally messed up timing and ended up when they were like walking off the stage. Right. Well, this time I was actually invited. Okay. So did you dance up there or something? Oh, yeah, girl. I'm jealous. That sounds like so much fun. And the funniest part is, you know, they end and then we go get a drink and people are like, hey, you're that girl from the stage. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, I'm with the band. Well, what was so funny is we were sitting next to this other couple, these two guys and their wives. And um, they were like, hey, you're that girl from the stage. Did you guys play on that? I mean, yeah, we're so in rhythm together. Uh-huh. Yeah, we've been in rhythm together for 20 years. Exactly. So it was really, really fun. And one of the things he said, because, you know, he's a big crowd worker. And he said, I hope you come dressy and leave messy. Oh, I love that. (laughs) That's really sweet. Oh, Ty, we love you so much. Yeah. So that was fun. That is fun. Well, while you were hooping it up and whooping it up on the bowl and in in, uh, Billy Bob's, I was... uh, I was making brisket and latkes for Hanukkah and all my friends. So that was quite, um, quite fun. And I just, you know what? There is just something about homemade latkes mm-hmm. that you just cannot beat. And they're so good. And did you run out of latkes? Because I know that I was did. one of I your I ran out of latkes <laughs> because I had three teenage boys there and they like went first in line. And oh it was, they, they, they annihilated the latkes. And I had this little package of them reserved for when you come out. So we, I, like the little mini latkes that sure. we, that I made that we could put caviar on. And I had to, um, I had to pull them out. I was like, <laughs> get the latkes, get the mini latkes. And I had reserved. to throw them in there. Yeah. Because we ran out for sure. We're going to have oh, to make more while funny. you're here. Well, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm happy to help. We can stock up. Oh my gosh. So it's been yeah, party central. Yeah. Um, one thing after that. I mean, it sounds like when it sounds like you dancing on the stage was a little more well received than you and I dancing at the Hanukkah party last oh night with the DJ gosh. to uh, get into the groove by Madonna. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was really funny and also very sad. I was telling Lance that we went to the club holiday Hanukkah party and they had a really fun DJ and and it's basically a party for five-year-olds let's exactly like I walked in and I was like oh god I need a martini there's way too many kids here and um the Humpty Dance came on because it's very appropriate for Hanukkah right oh yeah they kept playing inappropriate music (laughs) so I grab Vivi and we go onto the dance floor and mommy comes and joins us or you know you Courtney mommy comes and joins us and Vivi all of a sudden was like Get, this stop. isn't cool. Stop. This isn't cool. This isn't like, stop. What? Stop. Come You're on. embarrassing me. You're embarrassing me. We're now in the embarrassing stage. We're in stage. the embarrassing just, stage. Huh. We used to dance all night long at that thing. But I did take a look around the room and we're about two or three years past our prime, prime. I think. I mean, not us personally, the kids, because it's really geared towards the littler kids. But it was a fantastic DJ, even though he was playing the Humpty Dance and uh, yeah, what was the other inappropriate song he was playing? Oh, Promiscuous Girl. Yeah, <laughs> Promiscuous Girl. All these songs. But we were all jamming and um, but then we got up and then I, I found ourselves just you and me and one little maybe three-year-old boy and his dad on the dance floor with Madonna and everyone looking at us like we were freaks. Well, the DJ also kept playing like 
the clippets of the song. Yeah. Instead of like the whole song. But then right. when it was just me in court, yeah. we got out there and he like played the whole song. And I was like, do you notice that he's playing the whole song? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was like, ooh, look at these girls. They really love it. They're into, you know, they're yeah, into they're like, it. He's like, ooh, I'm a badass DJ. You know what? I felt really free. I felt free. I didn't care. I know my kids were just cringing in the, in the, but you know what? It was fun. I like to get out there and set myself free to a little Madonna every now and again. Why not? Me too. You know? I love it. Well, should we get into it? We should set up Chef Shane. Yeah. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about him? Whitney, this next guest that we're going to introduce today really uh, blew me away. And I think you'll agree with me um, that the universe puts people into our lives for a specific reason. And I found this chef through a friend when I needed someone to cater a very important party for me last June. And when we met him that day, he was such a warm and humble and generous person. And he just had a different energy. Yeah, it was very calm. Yeah. And so, you know, we, of course, asked him to come do our show. And I think you'll agree also that this interview was really unique. Not only because he's an immigrant to this country, but he was literally smuggled out of Iran for his own personal safety. And he's got such a knowledge of international cuisine. And I think what he talks about in this interview is really important for people to hear because he practices a mindfulness around food. Like whether it's growing the food, preparing the food, cooking it, feeding people, he has this very deep reverence around the process of a food. Appreciation. Exactly. And as much as we love cooking wit, like he's helped me appreciate cooking and feeding people on a deeper level. So he's been through so much adversity in his life and he has every reason in the world to be bitter and negative, but he's not. And he talks about in this interview, how he channels his positive energy and his happiness into the food that he's cooking. So um, for me personally, this is really one of my favorite interviews because he's incredibly inspiring uh, as a human being. And I could go on, but I like, let's just get into it. Um, So without further ado, let me introduce to you the fabulous chef Shane. I think we should go down and Think our vegetables before we cook them tonight. Let's do it. Okay. (laughs) Hey, sis. Hey, sis. Today on Hey, Sis, Eat This, we have one of the most talented chefs working in Los Angeles right now. He worked for Soho Houses for eight years. He's still part of the Soho House family. And now he has a thriving catering company to Hollywood's Elite. But we actually found him through his um, Instagram and YouTube channels because he has this gorgeous, he has these gorgeous presentations, this food that's so creative. And if you don't already follow him, you must because it really is mind-blowingly beautiful what you're doing. We'd like to welcome Chef Shane Fatimian. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. We're so excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. And as Courtney said, your food is just so beautifully presented as well as delicious. And we got to experience it firsthand because you helped us with Reagan's graduation party and put together just an incredible things. I mean, these are like works of art. We thought we'd be able to do the party ourselves. And then we were like, yeah, no. And then that's when I found him and was like, oh, we got to have him. Yeah. It made us feel subpar. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) some of your dishes are are the things you do with the vegetables and the fruits and the presentation. It's like sculptures. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about that. Do you have an artistic background? I mean, the concept is try to touch your five senses. And the first one is visual. Mm-hmm. So I have to make it look pretty. And um, I wasn't this kind of a chef. I was, I, I was trained greasy American Italian, sure. if you would. Oh. And then working at Soul House, it was a great uh, opportunity to kind of be creative. And the folks over there were amazing. They were so creative. The whole house is everything, the, what the setup is. Mm-hmm. So they allowed me to be free and kind of, do what I think I should do. And the room that they put me in, the garden room in West Hollywood, it was so, it's so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So you can't just, you know, put just a brown plate of right. food out. Right. You got to make it look beautiful. So that's where the inspiration started coming in. And um, where I was stationed, it was like everybody who walked in, that's the first thing they saw. So I wanted to make sure 
like it has a pop effect. So that was the first sense, visual. Mm -hmm. Then I wanted to have great aromas and great smells. So we would put flowers and roses, you know, a lot of great stuff, barbecue um, smells, like mm-hmm. food smells. Like, you know, I would I had a torch and I would have a um, tri-tip behind me and I would hit it, warm Just it up smell and it would it smell with- it like oh, it would wow. start. <laughs> That's so cool. Or I would bring garlic and kind of like cook, slow cook garlic on it. So sure. it would fill up and it, that primal smell that like, makes you hungry. And you're hearing it too, the, that sense. You're hearing it crackle. and Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then the... Um, hearing part of it was that was my part to explain the food to mm. get people to come over mm-hmm. to just acknowledge them say hey how you doing you look great Interact. good to see you thanks for coming in yeah. and then they would, i would draw attention and then they're like what are you doing i'm like oh you know check this out this is organic carrots we just got it in it's from a farm in malibu and you know on and on so i would get their appetite going and then the next was to make sure the foods taste great and um the fifth one is to get that ragatouille moment you know yeah. where the, the guy puts the food in his mouth and takes him back to his childhood something he ate yeah. at his mom's kitchen oh i love that and you're complete you know then they're kind of like they're gonna come then they're back, coming and, back. And, yeah. yes they're coming back well it sounds like there is a bit of an evolution to that like creatively did you just find like wow it just things kept getting more and more beautiful once you sort of opened that door for yourself that you just got to get really creative and 100%. Yeah. it's kind of like um I tell everybody I got in touch with my grandmother. My grandmother has passed, but she was a very happy cook, you know. And when you are a happy cook and you have love in your heart and that's how you go. It's like the Southern cooking, you know, it's like the grandma or the aunties like so happy to go shopping or they go in their garden. They cut the kale and they come inside and they pick it or sitting around the table and that love that you have, it makes the food energy really good. So Mm-hmm. And at the time when they had me, I was really in a bummed place. <laughs> I was down. So I kind of promised myself that at the door, I would check myself and literally become another individual, a happy individual and just go in and I would approach the vegetables with happy thoughts. And it was mm-hmm. hard when you're down and out to have happy thoughts. Because if you're thinking about the past, which you're not supposed to think about yes. the past, period. Yes, the <laughs> moment you, is now. Yeah, you think about the past, even try to think about good times because it was past. It doesn't show up as good times now. So you're still negative. So the way I shifted that negativity and I didn't have anything going on for me, but this job, let's say. Yeah. So I started thinking about the farmers. So I started thinking about the guy who planted this carrot. How long did he wait it? How patient are farmers? I mean, I have no patience. I want it now and I want it yesterday, you know? And the care and love that they have to take care of that. Literally. Grow it. And everything, even a tequila plant. You know, I go out, they plant it and they wait seven years. Seven years. It's like a spiritual experience you had with this food, it sounds Definitely. like. Or you have with it. And I remember there was this company, I, I don't know if they're around anymore, it was called Dragon, and they would go and shop from all the farmer's market, and then they would bring the truck to upscale restaurants. Mm. Basically, the farmer's market is coming to you. Oh, wow. That's cool. And I would go down, and the lady was so proud of these tomatoes that she grew in Malibu, and these are amazing. And that love and texture, you really see it in the food when you're tasting it. So I thought that that's how it's supposed to be, you know? They did the work. They planted this. Now I have to honor whatever they did. So I really would take care of the vegetables. If we had it, we, did, we didn't have any waste. We try not to, you know, waste. We would make another dish, a new dish, you know, from another dish. So it was like very spiritual in the beginning. And it was a lot of love. So giving. Definitely. And I was like, I wouldn't get involved in the gossips, you know, kitchen, a lot of people. Oh work. yeah. <laughs> We've all worked in the kitchens. Uh, have, have my head down. You stayed focused on the artistry of it 100%. and the love behind it. And being grateful. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I was just grateful to be there. Mm-hmm. So that gratefulness just multiplies in your heart. And even people who are not, you know, they don't like you, let's say, they will just leave you alone because you're in this state of gratefulness. And it's kind of like a protection or yeah, a, you're in a bubble you. for sure. Yeah, definitely. So I felt that and it just grew and people would come and say, Oh, I would explain in addition, like, did you make this? I'm like, no, I didn't make that. I made the whole table. Yeah. <laughs> Can you do this at my house? I'm yes, like, yeah, sure. Right. I could do it at your house. And then the houses I get to work at, I mean, they're magnificent. They're, they have 
everything you're <laughs> regular kitchens and sew houses. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, it just goes to show when you are, when you have passion for something and there's so much love behind it, it's just going to grow because it's coming from such a beautiful place inside yes, yes, and yes. open so many opportunities for you. Definitely. I, I think you have to love what you do in a sense. Yeah. Because, you know, if you look at it just like, oh, I'm making money. And I've I owned restaurant in the past and I've had different businesses. And I would just look at them as this is where I'm going to get my money. This is how I'm going to make my living. Right. And it didn't really work out. It works out for what it is, but it didn't really give you a good feeling. Now, it's just a love affair. You know, like I look forward to like, I have a gig that I have to get a Parmesan wheel oh, cool, and I'm yeah. going to make like this. Can you get us pepe. a Parmesan wheel? It's <laughs> yes. our goal. It's like our bucket list that we oh, get a want. Parmesan wheel. I don't know how we're going to do that with me in LA and you in Dallas. I talked to my Italian friend, mm-hmm. Daniele, mm-hmm. and he said that we can get one and like split it up. We can. Yes. Oh, for sure. I get it from Truffle Brothers. Oh, yeah. I know Truffle Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, they're great. Their wife's a friend of mine, and I wanted to have them on the podcast, but their accents are too strong. Nobody would understand them. (laughs) But their food, Whitney, is... I've told you all about it. The place is amazing. I love... How much is a Parmesan wheel? It's about like $800, something like that. Depends how how much it weighs, but it runs about 800. And it's pretty big. I mean, it's about 45 to 50 pounds. Uh, I don't know where wheel. we'd put it, but I know, I'd much rather have a Parmi wheel than a pair of Louboutin shoes. I'm just I saying. I feel <laughs> like we could get a couple people to go in on this. Yeah, I think and so. And then that way storage is a little bit easier. Each yeah. person, if you get four of you yeah, and we you got a your wheel, you take all the cheese out. We could divide that by four. So mm-hmm. each of you guys for a couple of months, you have Parmesan. Yeah. And it's not going to go bad. Right. Ziplock it. Then... You could have fun with the bowl is cook pasta, put it in there. Yeah, and yeah. I used to do that at So House and I would keep the the bowl, um, the wheel for at least three, four times. Oh, you, you know. can. Yeah, I would yeah. leave it out and then I would um, clean, it, clean it, you know, put some alcohol, you know, torch it, you know, oh, wow. sanitize it and wrap it and put it in the refrigerator. Then the next day I would use it and I would try to use the same. Yeah, I wouldn't go. From tomato right. to cream, cream right, to, right, you know, <laughs> pesto keep it, to yeah, keep it all pepe. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Chef, you're Iranian-born, um, is that correct? Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about the history and how your family immigrated to the U.S.? I was born in Iran. We came here in '76 um, before the revolution, mm-hmm. and uh, my dad had a car wash on the beach. Mm-hmm. I was a surfer, boogie boarder <laughs> kid at Redondo. Um, and then after the revolution and uh, the war, I think it was six months into the war, my dad's like, oh, let's go back. Oh, wow. <laughs> really? So he sold the car wash and we went back. And I'm pretty sure he regretted it the first month he was there. That what the hell did I do? But um, then they, from that point, they try to get me back out. Because, you know, I, they didn't want me to become a soldier because after 15, I think you couldn't leave. You had to, they wouldn't give you, you're not going to come back basically if right. they let you go. You know, we tried about four years trying to smuggle me out. And um, I had this sense of patriotism that I really realized where it came from was living in America when I was a child. Because, hmm. you know, you pledge allegiance and they yeah. give you this sense of like, you know, you belong here, you deserve it, you got to protect it. So... I was there and I wanted to protect my people and um, I didn't like these Iraqis coming in and invading. They were really horrible. You know, it was some hard times for Iranians. So I wanted to, you know, go enlist and fight. So my dad rushed and they smuggled me out of Iran. Wow. That's fascinating. I think I was about 15 and a half, 16. And then I came to Turkey, tried to get a visa. I couldn't get a visa. Um, Were you in Istanbul? Yeah, Istanbul. And it's funny. How the the things work out. The show house in Istanbul, mm-hmm. it used to be the American embassy in Istanbul. Oh, so that's, a, that's, that's a so house funny. I, isn't it? Like so funny. Yes. So I went there moment. to get a visa and they wouldn't give it to us because they're like, you know, you guys are not going to come back. You guys are going right. to stay. We're like, yeah, we want to stay. <laughs> <laughs> so she said no. And um, I went and found the smuggler. And that's in itself. Yeah. Yeah. Whole yeah. Podcast, I think. <laughs> Sure. How this smuggler worked. And then um, basically went to Montreal mm-hmm. and then from Montreal to Vancouver. And I went to high school in Vancouver and um, worked in Vancouver. And then after years, like, no, I want to go to America with my family. So we jumped the fence again. Yeah. 
<laughs> You're a brave man. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm the true American story. Sure, you, know? you are. I came here and um, worked. I remember I went to Alvarado Street. Yeah. They would sell back then. I don't know if they do it now. Back then they would sell licenses and blank social security. So I just knew Alvarado Street for the taquitos. <laughs> <laughs> when you're an illegal alien, you know it for different reasons. <laughs> so I bought it um, and I put my um, birthday uh, plus the city I was born in, and which is in America, as a social security. And I worked with that till I got married and replaced my illegal card wow. with a new one. And I got my citizenship, and um, I'm American citizen, proud. Congrats. We're glad that happened. <laughs> yes, it worked out great for me. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. America is one of the most unique, amazing place that, it, even though with all this conversation that's yes. going out, out there, I still think we're blind. Lady Liberty is blind. They let you in. Once you're in, if you do good, if you work hard, if you have passion, mm -hmm. And you leave other people alone, you could do great. You could sure. thrive. You Look could at your story. Billionaire. Yes. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You, if that's what your intent is, if you don't want right. to be a billionaire, you want yeah. to just be a philosopher, you could yeah. do that. Nobody's going to bug you. Yeah. So this is a, one of the most amazing places. And I've had the privilege of traveling a lot of different parts of the world. I think this is one of the best. Oh, Aww. I'd love to hear that. And America's lucky to have you and you did it with love, you know? I'm lucky to have America. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we want to know where that love of cooking comes from. Was your mom a big cook? Where did where did you learn how to cook? I mean, Iranians particular they love that family. I I really compare Iranians to the South Southern Americans, and the South is kind of like Iran. The culture of the South, how you your mannerism, your behavior, it's very similar. I mean, it blows you away if you really get into it. Um, it's very comparable. So in Iran, I was like the firstborn and I was the only boy, but I, I grew up in the kitchen with all these great chefs, women, my grandmother, my mother, my aunts, you know, all these women would come together and they would cook and they would clean. Like they, I remember every year they would make tomato paste. Oh, So they would buy cases and cases of tomato huh. and they would cook it down and they would sift it, take the seeds because the seeds and the skin doesn't really digest. Right. So these people in the old days, you know, they knew about these things. So they'd make tomato paste and jar it and give everybody. So everybody oh, wow. had tomato paste or, you know, and I remember all these little snacks. And that's why if you ever go and lived in, live in Europe, you know, for like 15 days, you'll notice a tremendous difference. And your being, your brain thinks better, you're healthier, you lose weight, Yeah, you know, and you're more put together and your whole stomach digestive system is working clockwork, right? Yes. So you wonder why is that? Because there's no chemicals. Right. They, there's no man-made food per se, you know. When I was a kid, our snack was feta cheese, per, you know, they had these little cucumbers, tomatoes from the garden, and fresh bread that you would buy breakfast, you would buy fresh bread, lunch, you would buy fresh bread and dinner, you buy fresh bread. And the bread, it was like the, it was the yeast that was like fermented, like sourdough. Mm -hmm. It was no, you know, fast rising bread, white bread or something. Yeah. So all that makes a difference. And you would walk to go get it and walk back. <laughs> there was no Uber ride, <laughs> you know? Right. So it was all that made a difference. And then they just would like one of the snacks I remember I loved it was um, romaine lettuce, fr fresh romaine on summertime, and it had this sweet vinegar. Mm. That, and then you would dip like uh, the lettuce into the sweet vinegar and eat it. And it was so fresh and it's great for your system. Yeah, yeah. it others, sounds delicious. With walnuts, with yes. fresh walnuts, mm. they would take walnuts and they would soak them in water. And then they, you take that outer skin out and it's delicious with some salt so little snacks like that. I mean, right. there was no bag of chips. Nobody takes the time for that any here in the United States. So you said that your family, these wonderful women get together and cook all these amazing meals and, and stockpile the tomato paste. <laughs> so there must have been some incredible dinners that happened. What was it like at that dinner table growing up? Family dinner was never just the family. It was always guests or cousins or relatives who come over. That was exciting. The street we lived at, and this is what I do now, where I came up with this concept for the caterings, if you would, is uh, 
they had these block parties. But the way they would do it, the houses were big, so they would invite the whole neighborhood to your house mm -hmm. on the first of the month. Okay. So each house would um, host first of the month the whole neighborhood. Oh my god! And the reason they did that to keep the community tight, That's sweet. To keep everybody connected. So, so what they would do is they would find uh, like a it, it's it would I want to say buffet, but it's more like a feast, like a yeah. king's feast. So they would put a, every food they could get on these tables to kind of please everyone. They had chafing dishes, you know, hot food, cold food, sandwich, whatever they made. And um, it was there for five hours and people would just drink and eat. And it was like, literally, you would think like the olden days, the kings would have a feast and this is how it was. It's completely transparent in your presentation today, that inspiration, because it's so bountiful. You know, I'm speaking from experience when you did our party, it's like you had the whole island just set up and it was just this, it was like a cornucopia of gorgeousness <laughs> yes. of fruits and vegetables and this and that. And just people were like, couldn't believe the presentation of it. So you must have gotten inspiration from those Definitely. block the, parties. Yes, yes. So there were amazing events and the food was always amazing. Every house we would look so forward to it because the other person would try to outdo that table. So they would sure. make it bigger and oh more. Gosh. By the end of the house, yeah. it's like the guy's like gone crazy. Yeah. What dishes from that time do you incorporate into your menus today? I love forbidden black rice. Oh yeah, I've seen know? that on your Instagram. I've been salivating over that. I want to try that. Definitely try it. And you know, the rice itself has more antioxidant than a blueberry or a sahi berry, less oh, wow. sugar, okay. less fat. It's really one of the superb grains. So there's an Iranian dish they make with fava beans and basmatic rice. So I took the basmatic rice out, put the black rice, and now it's black and green. I do love the texture of black rice. I love the kind Me of too. more kind crunchy of or, you know, it's got more of density to it. Yeah, it's a little more al dente, yes. if you would. And then if you don't put salt in the water when you're cooking it and drain it, save the water like a ochata. Oh. And then now that is great for kids. You put a little maybe um, monk fruit in it, so mm. it's, you know, to sweeten it or a little maple syrup if you want to give it to your kids. Now they're having a great antioxidant drink. Oh, it's like rice milk. Yeah, it's like rice milk without all the sugar and the syrups and all that. They oh, my it. God. You're going to need to make a list for me of what I need to do to up my snack game with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Healthy snacks, healthy snacks. Snack trays by Shane. God, I love that. It's fascinating. Maybe we could get a black forbidden black rice recipe from you to put on our website. For sure. For okay. sure. I think I have one on mine. Okay. And, uh, we could Great. I'd love do. to sh collaborate and share. Yes. Yes. You spoke about all these amazing dinners that your community would have. What was something that your mom would make? Did she have a signature dish? Um, my mom makes really good food. Uh, my favorite is Lubia Polo, which is uh basmatic rice. Uh, tomato paste. They use uh, sirloin chunks meat and they slow cook it to like tender. And it has green beans that the green beans are kind of fried uh, and they like cook it really well. And then they cook this all together as like a, they steam it. There's a oh. you know, technique that they use. They put a cloth to catch all the... Where do you steam it? Uh, in a pot. So you cook the rice al dente like pasta, then you drain it. Then you cook the stew separate with the beans and the meat, and then you kind of put them together in the pot. And that's where you get that tadik in the bottom. They put a, Oh, that's the crispy rice on the, the bottom. Oh, rice. that's my favorite. They put a piece of sure. bread or something like that yeah. on there, or potatoes, whatever your style is. They put it together and uh, they put a lid on it and they kind of put a cloth because, you know, the huh. rice steams. And then if the rice steams, when it goes to the, the lid, It'll create that rainforest thing, and then the water will come, and the so rice will get soggy. So the cloth is going to pick up all that moisture. excess moisture. I remember watching um, in Iran, they do massive cooking, and they give food away for, you know, somebody passes away. They do, like, traditional stuff to feed the hungry, but not so much hungry. They feed everyone because they're grateful or they want to sacrifice something like that. And they make food for like 4,000 people and to make rice for 4,000 oh people. Oh my gosh. It's like the pots are like the size imagine. of the table. The room, like yeah. the uh -huh. room. 
And these women, these older women are in charge and they have guys as the muscle to pick up the pots and move it around. <laughs> and it's amazing. They could tell by the fire or the, you know, the temperature of the pot, they put their hand close to it. So, I mean, it's, you really got to become one with cooking. Yeah. Chef, what is your signature dish? Oh boy. Do you have one? I don't think I have a signature dish. Everybody usually asks me, what do I like to eat the most? My favorite thing is a tomato and bread me too. <laughs> sandwich you know, with some olive oil, mm. glass of wine. Mm-hmm. That could be my last meal. I'm sure. Or just a plain pasta. I yeah. love pasta. So that's my personal favorite. But my favorite food or my signature dish will always be what you like the most. Okay. So yeah. if you tell me, hey, I love chicken or I love... Um, steak or, you know, make me whatever it is that you like, I'll go do my own spin on it. And that would become my signature dish because, you know, I always have to, I don't follow recipes. (laughs) You know, I do my own thing. Well, are there any foods that intimidate you? Pastry intimidates me because I, again, I don't follow recipes Mm -hmm. and, you know, I do my own thing. So with pastry, you can't, you have to be very precise. Baking intimidates me too. Mm-hmm. And even if I bake, like I love making Edamus, which is whipped cream and meringue and berries. Which oh, is I saw like, that you know, on your site. Like, it's beautiful. It, lo- it looks like a child just yes, put it together. It's gorgeous. <laughs> so things like that. And I do make an amazing tiramisu. Oh. Um, I learned that in Rome from a family that I was staying oh, with. Nice. So. Ooh, I want to try that. Yeah. Our dad calls it terrible Sue. <laughs> <laughs> Chef Shane, can you think of a time when you've experienced a dish or a meal that was just so exceptional and really elevated your thought on foods. Life-changing? Life-changing. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I work with amazing chefs at Soul House and uh, I've had the privilege of eating at a lot of really good restaurants. And um, Mike Magliano, Chef Mike and he he was the executive chef of Soul House, mm-hmm. and um, watching him work, it was a pleasure because the, his approach to cooking and food and um, Chef Matt uh, Giacomo, all these chefs that I work with, mm-hmm. their approach to how they're going to put a dish together, and that's more fascinating to me to watch, like you know how they're manipulating this cavity or this protein. How are they going to, you know, take the starch and move it around and watching a dish be put together in, in three days and then presented to the, you know, management, you know, the higher guys to taste and watching that and then coming back with success, big smiles. And then they they would give it to us to taste. And, oh, that sounds like so much fun. It really does. No matter what they put on that plate, watching that whole procedure makes the food delicious. Yeah. It's like watching, I love watching cooking shows, <laughs> ironically, um, because it's, it makes me comfortable. I feel like I'm so relaxed and watching a food competition or, and because, you know, maybe you'll say, oh, I would have done this or oh yeah, oh, maybe not. I wouldn't, you know, and that, that putting something together. Sure. It's really the end result. If it's done with love and hard work and these gentlemen that I mentioned, I mean, they're like my teachers. Yeah, mentors. uh, Mentors, they're amazing guys. My husband and I watch a lot of cooking tournaments and, and, you know, we just finished Tournament of Champions, even though we're a little late to the game, but we always like pause it before they're going to go into the cook and like, (laughs) okay, what would you do? Or, you know, uh, he really should have done this differently. Yeah. Like if he'd have made that into a sausage versus that, it would have been so much better. You know, right. like it's fun to kind of analyze that, even though we don't get to taste it at the end. But I think seeing that process of of chefs who are just so, so talented working through that and how they can do those different things, like you say, manipulate the different foods is, is really cool. Getting an inside look in that creative process. Definitely. And you can see that in everything you see with writers. Mm-hmm. If you happen to know some writers and the way they approach writing or music, if yeah. you ever seen a band put a song uh, yeah. together and it's really, it's part of like humanity. I mean, there's nothing here, even I mean, I, there's no job that I could yeah. say, oh, if there's low below, there's nothing like that on the, to me 
on this planet, there's no dirty job. There's nothing that you can say belittle because even that job, whatever you may think it is, it comes with creativity. Absolutely. It comes with like, you know, intention of, you know, getting this done. And if you could love what you do, if you're doing it, I mean, right. I used to hire waiters and Olive Garden, you know, many years ago, I was a general manager there. And when I would hire them, they would tell me, well, you know, this is not the job I want to do. I want to become a doctor. Right. <laughs> and I would tell them, listen, my friend, if you think this job is so little, then you should do the best at it. Because if you can't be number one as a waiter, you think you're going to be number one as, as a, a doctor? doctor? Exactly. So Very good point. This is whatever you do. And if you decide to accept this check, and if you don't do the jobs that are required, then you're stealing. Yeah, <laughs> You should I quit and leave. <laughs> you have no integrity. But if you said yes to this job and you're willing to cash this check every week, then do the job for your own sake, not for my sake, because yeah. I could always get another guy come in and do the job. Totally. There's a line outside always yeah. <laughs> of willing people. You know, when I worked at Soho behind the table, people would come because I always smiled. People would come and say, why are you smiling? Why are you so happy? What's going on with you? And uh, my joke was, I would tell them, okay, come close, I'll tell you. It's a secret. And I'm so interested. And then we get close. I'm like, you know, so I woke up this morning. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, no. So I woke up this morning. Like, you get the... <laughs> yeah, the, you made that decision. I, I yeah. woke yeah. up and then that's amazing. They're like, yeah. well, what's so amazing about that? I'm like, because when I go to sleep, I pretend... I'm not going to wake up. So if I do, I'll be grateful. But if I don't, hey, man, I'm picking my peace with the world. I right. go to sleep every night like that. So when I wake up, it's a surprise. And if I want it to be even a better day, like a cherry on top of my Sunday, I call the people I love and they woke up too. Wow. What a great day. And this guy's looking at me he's like, you're full of shit. <laughs> I, that's not full of shit. That's that. really beautiful. It, it lays like that for him, maybe, yeah. because it seems so simple. And that's the whole point is like, if you're going to have to cook dinner tonight for your loved ones, mm -hmm. these are your kids, mm -hmm. not mine, your kids and your spouse or family, whoever you're cooking for. So if you don't feel it, order takeout. That's yes. why God created restaurants. Right, <laughs> exactly. Know? Order takeout. But if you want to cook something for them, you know, try to buy the best you don't have to buy a lot or the most expensive. The food that's most simplest is when it has like a few ingredients. Right. So, you know, five, six ingredients and we have this great dish. So really try to get yourself in that place of love and harmony. Remember, you woke up. There is a way that you don't wake up tomorrow. And, you know, that's really tough for the people who are here. Maybe you go end up somewhere good. Yeah. Let's say. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hope. Yeah. <laughs> but if you don't. You know, and you're happy and you're ecstatic. The little time we have on this planet will be very enjoyable. We've got to take advantage of this time we have on this Even planet. Even I think I know I'm going to live to 115 to 119. <laughs> Those are my... I believe it. Happier people live longer. Yeah, definitely. And spiritual people, I can tell you're spiritual. And I think there's something about cussing too. Like people who cuss have a happier life. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm really fucking happy. I mean... <laughs> But <laughs> uh, I'm fucking ecstatic. Too. Yeah. <laughs> me like too. That. I like that. I like that. Uh, well, feeding people makes me happy. That is yeah, just like same. such a joy for me. And I obviously we all share that in common. And it's um, it's just a beautiful thing. It is. Is there a time that uh, you've been in the kitchen and you've bit off more than you can chew? <laughs> So to speak. Every day. <laughs> Has there been one instance that's really just kind of stumped you? Um, like I said, uh, almost every time because, uh, you know, we always want to do more, bigger and better. I always wanted to outdo myself. So I wanted to push myself harder. So I usually get up early in the morning at six. I meditate. Then I go write my list. I go shopping. I go to like five, six different stores to get yeah. like what I really like. So, you know, sometimes that seems like, oh my God, I got to rush, you know, time. But um, things, I'm always in that space that things are always working out for me. And um, I believe I avoid trouble. And sometimes things go wrong, you know, like, Last weekend, I think I forgot to buy cream for making mac and cheese. Okay. 
and we, you know, you can't make mac and cheese just with, you know, right. the pasta. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I made ketchup de pepe with the par- a lot of Parmesan and pecorino I had. And I put the pasta in there and I put a lot of herbs. And then I found the, the, the house I was working at. They had a really beautiful block of cheddar. So I just did that and kind of melted it in. And it tastes really good. And I got compliments from it. And that was my version of mac and cheese, you know? You become an incredible improviser when you're in the kitchen, when you are cooking a lot. I mean, I find that we're doing that all the time with, you know? Yeah. Oh, we're, we're constantly like, oh, we've got a kitchen conundrum. Okay, what are okay, we going to do Okay, we're going to fix it. We're not going to go to the grocery store. We're going to look in the pantry and yeah. find a remedy. Chef Shane, we're going to do some rapid fire questions with you. Oh, sure. Okay, yeah. Uh, what's your favorite cooking tool? Um, my... Uh, what you call it? Microplane. <laughs> microplane. microplane. <laughs> yeah. You don't know the good, name of it, but good, it's your but favorite. It's my favorite. Yes. Yeah, yes. it's great. I love it. We, we love too. that one too. What's your favorite spice to cook with? Um, I think Grand Marsal mm. really touches mm. everything. I like. I okay, like so what's flavors. this? Isn't rapid fire, but what's then? What's a dish that you use a Grand Marsal for? I love getting um, like different kinds of eggplant, Japanese eggplant, yes. Chinese oh, eggplant, yeah. cutting them up tossing them with grandma marsal olive oil and then like one on not having them overlaps each other on a flat sheet pan roasting them um it takes about probably 35 45 minutes at 400 and then you take them out you let them cool a little bit and they put lebna yogurt on it with some palm seeds Ooh. didn't we have that yeah i think we had oh, it so yeah it was good. amazing that was like a standout everybody was raving about yeah. that what's your favorite cocktail my favorite cut, old fashioned. Nice. Oh, okay. Sexy. I like that. Yeah. We're martini girls. I don't know if you've, uh, you can see in the logo, we, we like a dirty martini. Yeah, so I, I like martinis too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Breakfast. Oh, oh. Huh, how about that? <laughs> breakfast at dinner. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> favorite restaurant in Los Angeles? Favorite restaurant. I got to say so house, I guess. Yeah, I guess you do. I guess you do. It's the, what is it Snoop Dogg says? The brand that pays me. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a great answer. Yeah. So th- this has been awesome. We want to let our listeners know where can they find you? Do you have a website, Instagram? I know you have he a, has an it all. insane Instagram. Uh, Instagram would be the best way. Yeah, I'm at uh, Chef Shane F. F is for my last name, Fatimian. I just have to say for our listeners that his Instagram is so inspiring. And I just can sit there and go down the rabbit hole and scroll through. And I'm amazed at what I find. Yeah, it's food porn. It's it is like food porn. It, it's, I just want to make it. And then I'm like, oh, I don't know. That looks really complicated. <laughs> I do cooking classes a you lot. Do? Yeah, you so do? the way that, that works, I come to your house. Okay. And, you know, it's good to bring like, you know, four, five, six people. Sure. I did one. 35 women uh, oh, wow. a couple of weeks ago. It was pretty much, I was just like the entertainment. <laughs> that's amazing. We'd love but that. There's two people taking notes a lot. Right. And that's, that's always fun because you come in and we could talk and, you know, really discuss how the approach to cooking should be. Oh, let's do that. I would love that actually. And also I was sort of thinking we make you an old fashioned, we make our dirty sis martini, we get together Ooh, yeah. and you teach us how to make some eggplant, you know? Yes, yeah. Yes. I want right. to know how to make that rice. Yeah. That rice too. We'll, we'll have fun. a Persian cooking night. There yes. you go. Yes, let's do that. Okay. Well, let's end it like we always do, Courtney. I love you. I love your show. I love you. I love your show. Thank you so much for listening to Hey Sis, Eat This. If you LOL'd, peed your pants a little bit, or even smirked, please hit subscribe if you haven't already. And feel free to rate and review, but only if it's positive. Also, visit our website for recipes and to sign up for our newsletter at heysiseatthis.com.